We here. It's Don Chen's The Wolf Mentality Podcast. It's pretty damn lit. Uh, long Wolf. What's Gucci Wolves? It's Don Chen's. It's Wolf Mentality. Let's do this thing. This week, got Alex DiTrolio. She is, I don't know what kind of cousin we were debating if it's third cousin, cousin once removed, something like that. But either way, she's a family of some sorts. Uh, she is a host on Sirius XM's Pop 2K. She went from, she got an internship at Sirius, and then she was a producer for a while, and then she went from behind the scenes to behind the mic. So she's been a host, a radio host for a little while now, and started off, you know, she got like an opportunity at like a very obscure time, like her show was on in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. or something like that, and now she's got prime time, you know, in the morning uh, till like noon. And she's also pursuing acting, which is cool. So we learned, I uh, found out that she was the lead role in, uh, I guess, like a play, like an off-Broadway type of play in Brooklyn. And it was like she was one of only two people in the entire play, pretty much, and had a major role, just like 45 minutes long, which is pretty crazy. So she's done a lot of cool stuff. Uh, also had her husband, Aaron Hodges, in in studio aka in my apartment so he was sitting uh, he had a mic as well so we kind of did a flip-flop aaron is a he is the owner i think he said managing partner i forget the term he used but he's the owner of you lucky dog productions which is a comedy label and he's been doing that for a little while but also was formerly a producer at sirius xm and that's how they met but so we did two episodes at once. They stayed for three hours to do both, which is very nice of them. It was a long time. But so we did Alex first, Aaron in the room with the mic, focused on Alex and her being a serious XM host. And then we flip flops. So next week, you'll get Aaron as a focus on his entrepreneurial endeavors. And Alex was in the room, you know, participating as well. But so very nice of them. Both were really good. I think everyone's going to like both of them. So shouts out to them for doing it. And shouts out to everyone who's listening right now. Appreciate it. Uh, for everyone who does listen, please make sure that that you are subscribed or follow the show. If you listen on Spotify, the way to do it, you just look up Wolf Mentality, you search it. When you get to the page right underneath the logo, there's a little follow button. Just hit follow, and that way you got it. So when you go to the music you have saved, there's also like the podcast you have saved, and you can get it right there. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, you got to subscribe. So you just search Wolf Mentality, hit that subscribe button right up top, and then Apple Podcasts, it's also important to... Uh, give it a five-star rating and a review. And the way to do that is if you just get to that page that you're on, if you just scroll to the bottom of the episodes, it should only show like a, hand, like a couple of them, but you get to the bottom of the episodes and it gives you the stars. You hit the star all the way on the right. That gives me five stars. And then you can write a review, say anything. You could be, oh man, Don Chen's like, he's the man and like his show's so chill. Or you can be like, oh, Don Chen's like, he's such a, you can make fun of me. Like he's such like I go Guido and oh, he's so silly and I hate him, but his show's cool. You can say whatever you want, but just say something, give it a five-star review. That would be really super chill and help me out a lot. Um, so shouts out to all the wolves listening and everyone who's been supporting. I really appreciate it when people take the time to listen because you could spend that time listening to another podcast or doing something else. So really appreciate it. Um, shouts out to you guys. Shouts out to Alex and Aaron. And here is Alex. What up, cuz? 
What up, gangster? What up, blood? What? What up, cuz? What? Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that in now. It's <laughs> 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 like 12 year olds are so distracted. I thought you were still fiddling. Shut up. And what's up, everybody? We had a good start. We're ready. Let's do it. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm here with Alex DiTrolio. Totally no relation at all whatsoever. No, not at all. Just coincidence. Total coincidence. No, same exact last name. We, we always say this. I still don't understand cousin, like first cousin, second cousin, third cousin. Like what? I think, How does it work? I think it's we're first cousins once removed because our parents are first cousins, I think I don't know. Don't quote me on it. I always just I always just say third cousins, but I don't know. If, I don't too. know if that's right. <laughs> like I really don't know if that's we'll, right. We'll go with it. That works. I don't know. I don't know how that breaks down. All right, and then we also have Aaron. Her husband <laughs> is here. A lot of stank on off that. camera. <laughs> Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> if that is your if that is your real name. Hi. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah. If, we're keeping you off camera, though. We don't want you on. I'm not good on camera anyway, especially <laughs> after wearing a, a winter hat. Let's not mess up your hair. You don't even have hair to mess up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike mine. Mine was a mess. I had to put a hat on. <laughs> I was the opposite of you. I understand. Yours was all over the place. Um, how are you feeling? I'm good. This is weird. I have to say, this is very strange to be on this end of it. This is... This is a little bit uh, of a new experience. So for people who don't know, Alex is a host of Sirius XM Radio's yep. Pop 2K. That's right. 6 a.m. to noon Eastern. I was going to say, what's Friday. the time? Because it's changed. <laughs> say it again. It has changed. 6 a.m. to noon Monday through Friday. That's what? Eastern time. So Or the butt crack in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. Pacific is when I start. Okay. Yeah. But what was it before? Before it was 9 a.m. to uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. Gotcha. Another question, family question. You put a space after the D oh and God. I don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is something that your uncle, Aldo, and I have had a debate about as well. I think you're that, wrong. No, I like, think I'm right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm right. I think it's wrong. We do the D. I. This is what I don't understand because it's all from the same family. So like how we all ended up with this fractured like you do it this way, I do it that way. I don't know. I put a space. It's D I space capital T R O L I O. But you just do no space. I no space capital. Spaces T. are for the birds. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's regal. It's like oh, troll. You know what I mean? I don't know. No, I always put the space. I don't. In. I don't know what you mean at all. <laughs> I don't go space. The only time I don't put a space in is if I have to. Somebody's like, I don't understand. Our computer system keeps wanting to make it your middle name, and I'm like, fine, you can take the space out this one time. But See? yeah, I don't know how that started at all. But you guys know space. space. I feel like this is a weird Game of Thrones. Like, the Tar- what are they? The Targaryens? I don't, I don't watch that shit. I don't know. <laughs> is the family divided between sauce and gravy? Where, where would we land on that? No, it's sauce. It's sauce? It is 100% sauce. My notice is gravy sometimes, though. She Because you know why? Because she picked it up from, from Italian-Americans that were already living here that started calling it that. <sighs> Damn it, Nona. I'm telling, go, go ask her when she goes to Italy, if what she calls it then it's, oh, it, it is sauce unless it's on a piece of meat. It's turkey gravy. Well, that's what I say. I say, sauce. I say it's gravy if there, if it's like a meat sauce. Mm. No, you don't it's say that? On meat. No, because it's bolognese sauce. It's Alfredo sauce, vodka sauce. You never hear somebody, you never go to an Italian restaurant and order, 
can I have the penne with the vodka gravy? Never. Never <laughs> <laughs> see that. You always that sounds see gross. Sauce. It does. Sound <laughs> gross. That sounds yeah. so gross. So it's sauce. <laughs> Holy shit! I hate that. Wow. Yeah. Right? That, that's no. a winning argument. That's Thank you. yeah. That settled it. But yeah. at least we say it the same though, because like Dem and Daniela, they say detralio, and that makes you want to pull do my what? ears out. Detralio. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Wow. Like a trolley, like a San Francisco yes. trolley. Yeah, they don't listen, so they won't know I'm roasting them right now. But guys, yeah. get yeah. let's go. It's bad. That's no. How bad is that? That's worse it's, than putting the space. That's way yes, worse than way worse. The space. Can't even say your own last name right. Like detralio. That sounds like when someone tries to sound ethnic when they say it, and they're like, Ah, yes, uh, eh, Vincenzo detralio. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> that is kind of. <laughs> that was that was a good impression. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Detralio, get out of here. Let's all right. Funny business is over. Now we're serious. Okay. serious. Game face. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. <laughs> all right. So we said serious XM host. Right. How did how did you first start working at Sirius? So. <laughs> I first got into, I got into SiriusXM through an internship, honestly. I had, I went to college, I went one year at Montclair State University, and then I walked into a class where three other girls from high school were in that class, and I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here and go to a different school. So I transferred down to Stockton uh, in South Jersey, which is a very small school, and I majored in communications, and I was like, I want to do radio. I found radio at Montclair State, and I thought it was really cool, had my own show at Montclair State's radio station. When I graduated, I had zero idea what I was doing until I, and I started applying for jobs, not realizing I had zero idea what I was doing. So they were listing all these programs. Like you need to be qualified in Adobe. You need to know media base. You need to do this. I go, I don't even know what those are. That's how it is for every job though. That's like (laughs) the the job description is so specific and it's like, dude, you're never going to find anyone like that. I had no idea. And I was like, I don't know any of these things. And I started applying for every job possible and it just was not working out. My dad had a night school student. He was teaching Italian at, uh, I think, at Montclair State to adult students. And one of them had been a lawyer, went to this school called Connecticut School of Broadcasting, and she now works in broadcasting. Told me about it, and I was like, this sounds like exactly what I need. All the programs that were in every job application that I wanted were what they listed on their site. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I um, did that at night while I substitute taught as my day job, and then through them got an internship at SiriusXM. And through that internship, I got hired. And that's how I got into yeah, to radio. That was much shorter than I usually say it. I'm usually so much more fucking long-winded. I'm trying not to ramble. You're very verbose. I'm very verbose. I'm also very loud, so tell me to back up or get closer. Nah. I always feel like I'm gonna like distort. You're you're pretty you're pretty good right now, actually. Okay. You could you could <clears throat> You get I'd say probably closer, if anything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. Well, you might regret that yeah. moment, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have that problem too, though. <laughs> I can't help it. I have I that just, problem too, though. Yeah. yeah. It's a loud Italian it's thing. A- I would say the hardest thing for me was when I got my company got acquired, like for my day job a year ago. We moved into a new office and it was quiet. It's like way quieter than my old office. That was really hard for me to shift because my normal talking voice is obnoxiously loud and I'm probably pissing Say, everybody oh, off. He always tells me, if I, well, okay, if we're out in public and we're about to talk trash on somebody or like be judgy for a moment and I try and whisper, he goes, do you realize you can't fucking whisper? He goes, your whisper is regular talk. Yeah. We're going to get punched in the face. Shut up. Yeah, that's, that's an Italian thing. Yeah, we're, we're, just, we're very loud. But that's good for radio, I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, it is. I guess good for radio, right? Yeah. So then, all right, so that's how you got the job. Right. But you started Mm -hmm. off as a producer. 
Yeah, I started off behind the scenes. Um, the first year I worked at SiriusXM is actually when I met Aaron. We were both working on a political oh, talk so channel. Romantic. You know, no. brought together by the 2008 election. Um, but yeah, we worked on a political talk channel that year together, and then. I kept in touch with the people that I interned with and that guy came to me and was like, hey, we're looking for a producer for our morning show on Hits One, which is the pop channel on SiriusXM if that, you don't that's subscribe. That's show. Yeah, which is a big show. By the way, if you don't subscribe to SiriusXM, get on it. Uh, but anyway, he said, we're looking for a producer. I said, I definitely would be interested in that. I don't want to do politics forever. I transferred over to them, started working with them part-time and I did that for a bunch of years. I did that for seven years, I think. And as I started getting further on into my career with them, I kind of started craving something else. Like, okay, producing was really exciting and really fun in the beginning, but after a while it kind of didn't satiate my need. And I was like, I need something else. I need to do something else. And that's when the on-air thing came to mind. I, was, I would like to try that. Because at first I was so freaked out about being on air. I don't, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I want to be in the background. Like, put me in the fucking corner in the dark, and that's where I want to sit. So when you were in the background, what were you like? What, what does that do? So like people don't um, get what a producer oh, really does. Okay, so well, it depends on the show, but for the most part, a producer is in the nicest way possible as an adult babysitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I well, I, because I know that sounds horribly condescending, but I don't. I'm not meaning it that way. I mean it to be where you're responsible for making sure that they have all the information they need for the guests they're coming in. All their replay breaks are in on time. I would edit the show for instant replay on West Coast. I would help write copy and imaging, like all those little pieces that you hear in between the sounds or all the things that you that you hear say, listen to the mashup tomorrow morning. I would help write those things, um, creating bits, making sure that they played those bits on the air, that they knew when people were coming in, helping to make sure that the guests were settled in okay. So you're kind of managing them in a way on their day-to-day -day operations so that they get on the air and they just do their thing. Um, and for a while, that was really, really fun. And I was lucky to work with a really great group of people. Like I'll always say, the mashup were incredibly understanding. They took a chance on me. I had no idea what I was doing, no idea. I nobody, nobody ever does though. This is my theory no. though. Nobody ever knows what they're no. doing in any field ever. You learn it's, on the job. Like yeah. that's when you everyone's learn. walking around clueless. Like. Yes. And I was so clueless. <laughs> yeah. I was so clueless when I started. And I mean, I still am, but they really took a chance on me and they helped me grow and they, they helped me build. And I got to a place where I loved them still very much and the people that I worked with, but the job itself wasn't as fulfilling as it used to be. Because after a while, I think some people are made for that role. They're really good at staying on top of others and, and wrangling people and they get a thrill from that. I'm pretty good at keeping on top of people and wrangling them, but after a while, it's not necessarily fun anymore, but you are, you're an adult wrangler, babysitter, manager, you're making sure they have everything that they need and everything for their show is in, ready to go. So they could just come in and do their thing. That's it. So then what was like the spark that first made you want to go from producer to on-air personality? Um, when I started, when I, it actually was from their interviews. So I would always wish that we had more. Like I, I first started doing on-air stuff by doing interviews with people, not on the air, like on a channel, but I started asking if I could interview people for certain segments that they did, like when they highlight TV shows or movies that are coming out. If they passed on somebody, I'd be like, oh my God, no, I, that we should have that person on the channel. Like this show is going to be bigger. They were in this really huge show and I love them. Can I interview them? And we can just use the clip. My boss, because they're amazing and they're supportive. We're like, yeah, go ahead. 
So from doing that, I was like, oh, this is really dope. I like this. I like having conversations with people. I like getting to know them. I would like to do this more. I like interacting with people in this way. And then that kind of got me thinking of like, well, what would it be like to do a show and interact with people that way? That seems really fun now. I mean, it was a complete 180. I went from wanting to hide and I still want to hide. That's why I like radio. Cause you're just like behind a <laughs> mic in a studio and nobody really sees you. Um, but then, yeah, I just kind of wanted to be more interactive with people and be more on the front end rather than just always being the one that takes care of everybody else's deal. I wanted to take care of my own stuff. You want people to take care of you? No! Damn, yeah. skip yeah. <laughs> I do No, I do not. I do not want people. I mean, you need help. I want like, that. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, all of us want a little bit of somebody taking care of us. And <laughs> them, they needed it. Like, every that show needs a producer, right? These shows need somebody taking care of all that stuff. I just... I just wanted, I don't know, I want another challenge. And that was, that was another challenge it was, okay, let's see if I can do on air now. Like I've been watching them do it for so many years and I've picked up tricks from them and, and learned from them and from other people that I admire at Sirius XM. Let me try and implement it and see if I can do that too. So now why yeah. were they down to let you do that? Like why, how were you able to just be like, yeah, I want to do this. And they were like, yeah, sure. Alex, whatever you want. Uh, cause I got, well, I got really lucky. I have, I got a, I have a boss that is incredibly supportive and encouraging and wants you to grow. And I know that sounds like, duh, that's how all bosses should be. But not every boss is like that. A lot of bosses love to hold you down and they don't want to see you succeed because they don't want to see you get better than them or overshadow them. But that's the complete opposite. They could see that I wanted to change and they were nothing but supportive about it and said, go ahead. And it's good for them too, because I, they took me on when I was so green and clueless. I learned so much working from them, but I also only had so much experience. I've never worked, worked in radio outside of satellite. I interned for Howard Stern back when he was on K-Rock, but I never worked at terrestrial. So I have a very narrow scope of my experience. They needed somebody that could take them to the next level. So it kind of all came together at once where they were like, all right, we support you. And yeah, this is a good time for us to get somebody else. And they've been, yeah, I don't know. They were, they're just, they're people that want to see everybody around them grow. They're not the kind that are like, if you take some success, that's less success for us. It's not like the fucking pie analogy. They're like, no, you can get some, you can get some, you can get some, we all could be successful. Why not? So that's sort of the approach that they came at it with, if that makes sense. I feel like there there is probably a lot of room at Sirius in general, just because I feel like there's so many channels and so oh many gosh. shows that if you show any type of, you know, ability that it's probably not, and they control it. So it's like pretty easy right. for them to just give somebody a chance that they think. I mean, it is nice to be in the company already and have this interest and people know who you are. And so they know your personality and that gives them the ability to know what you're going to bring to the table for sure. And yeah, there's ton of channels. It's so different at Sirius XM because like, all right, let's say you listen to Z100 or Hot 97. There is a morning show, an afternoon show. There's one, you know, one program director and assistant program director. Like there's a line of people, but that's it. It's one slot during the day. I work next to the guy that helps program the Beatles channel. I work next to somebody else that works on Spectrum and Outlaw. Then the dude over there is on Liquid Metal. Um, Hits One is down the corner. Like there's all these channels and people interacting that not only do you influence each other and learn from each other, but you have those opportunities because those channels are accessible to you. Whereas if you're working on Hot 97 and you want to go work for Q104. You're like abandoning shit. You're, yeah, you're totally leaving. Like, that's it. You can't really, it's, I mean, I guess you could do both and work at both places, but it's different. It's a very different kind of atmosphere. Yeah. 
And is it normal for somebody to go from producer to on air? Like, is that something that you've seen happen fairly regularly or? I've seen it happen before. I, they, they encourage growth in that sense. Um, sometimes it's not easy. And again, it all depends on who your bosses are, but I've definitely seen people. I just saw one girl, um, Swaggy C, you can hear her on Hip Hop Nation and on The Heat. Uh, she used to be a coordinator. Like she was working on the channels behind the scenes. She picked up an on-air shift and then she picked up a second on-air shift. And now all she does is on-air. So she moved completely out of the programming side of it. And now is just doing her thing on-air. There is multiple people that work at Sirius XM that work behind the scenes and do on-air shifts. And they usually do them because they love them. They should get paid for them, but they don't at the moment. They just do it because they're passionate about it. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of working up eventually. If you want an on-air shift, if you are a good employee and you're not an asshole, you'll get a chance. Like there's no reason for them not to do that for you, I think. Yeah, I don't so. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah, for sure. So when you first got, when you got your first shift, was <laughs> was a weird shift. It was what, a weird shift. What, what, what time was the shift? So I first started on air on Hits 1 from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern, <laughs> right in the middle of the night, which in a way is kind of cool because if you're weird or you fuck up or things don't work and you, it's a time frame where like, who the is up at that time of I, night I anyway. I would listen to you though because I would shut up. I would because I would wake up at five o'clock to go to the gym before work. Oh, okay, all right. And I paid to have the app on my phone, mm. so I would listen to the last hour of your show. I was getting ready to go to the gym. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but yeah, that was that was an interesting time to start because it was a really good time to be experimental. I mean, people that are up the night are either insomniacs or like you, they're hearing the last hour of my show because they're up early for work or going to the gym. But it, to be up at three a.m on a Tuesday, even yeah, if it's LA weird. and it's midnight, you're up because you're up late night and you're, you can't sleep. And so your thoughts are probably all kinds of weird anyway. So it was a really fun time to experiment and kind of figure out my footing. And then after a year of being on hits one, I moved over to pop 2k. Now, what so. was the conversation about like you taking on that shift? So like you said, you wanted to get on air and then somebody mm-hmm. was like, okay, Alex, you can, but you got to do it in the middle of the fucking night when nobody wants to, <laughs> nobody's awake. Well, like, that was one of the only time that was available on hits one that didn't have somebody tracking or something like that. So that was, gotcha. that was it. But also it was a chance for my boss to go, okay, I'm going to give you this shot. But he also gave me, he gave me a shot in the dark. Like I didn't do very many air checks beforehand. So an air check, if you don't know, is basically a, a trial show. If, you want to apply for a job to be on air, or if you're already on air, you will have air check meetings with your boss where they listen to your show. Not all of the music, but just the five to seven seconds before you come in and the five to seven seconds of the song you talk out of. And that's it. Like that little sandwich, all of your breaks with a little music at the beginning and end. And they let you know how you're doing, what works, what doesn't work, what the audience is saying about it. Um, So I only did a couple of those before my boss was like, fuck it, try it out. Like, I trust you. You've been around here long enough. You've seen what the morning show does. You know what we like on Hits 1. You know how the programming is supposed to be. So go. Go for it. Well, okay. (laughs) Sure. And then just meeting with him afterwards and playing him my shows and him saying, okay, this is good, but you could rework this or think about it this way or do that. And then growing from there. And after about a year, he was like, all right, I think you're ready to have more time and you're ready for a a bigger platform in the sense of 6 a.m. to noon or at that time, 9 a.m. to through the 2 p.m. hour. So 9 a.m. to three was a bigger chunk of audience than 
3 to 6 a.m. I would think so, yeah. yeah. So he was like, all right, you're ready for that. Move on to that. But even that was an adjustment. Like, it's a different channel. It's a different audience, different music. So, yeah. Was there any hesitation on taking the that time shift? Like, were you like, ah, do I really want to be up? Like, is it really worth it? Um, Did you have okay. those thoughts at all? So, like, secret. Um, <laughs> I wasn't actually up at 3 a.m. Don't tell it. No, um, I wasn't up at 3. Actually, there were times where I was at 3 a.m. because I was getting home. But So, it was recorded before. It's recorded. And a lot of that was because, one, I was living in... I was living in um, Bloomfield, New Jersey at the time, and like buses end at a certain time frame. So like, I had to get home. <laughs> like I was no other way for me to get home. But also, a lot of what you hear is pre-recorded in some way. And some people record their breaks half an hour before they air. But there are very, very few like live live shows, and it just comes down to space. We have how many music channels and how many hosts on these channels. Um, we now have a system where you can record from home, so a lot more people are actually like pretty live but um i would record that ahead of time so i wasn't actually up at 3 a.m right, that's good then that makes it Which easier is good because i don't know if i would that would have been i don't know what kind of life because i also work behind the scenes at sirius xm part-time so like that's all over the place yeah that would have been that would have been nuts that would have been a sweet chance although Aaron would have called you out and said you were lying but that would have been a sweet chance to lie and be like oh i was grinding at 3 a.m <laughs> The hustle, you don't understand what it takes. I, I would never blow up her spot like I, that. No, you would never no, blow up my never, spot. Never, never, ever, ever. No, yeah, it was. That was that was your chance. No, Aaron, Aaron, I would have turned Aaron's mic off. <laughs> I wasn't wake when I had to wake up at four o'clock, four thirty in the morning to do the morning show. That is brutal. Like that's awful. I don't, bless anybody that like has to get up at that time for the rest of their life. Cause that's awful. How much, how much say do you have in what music gets played? Do you have any say in that at all? I, th- I feel like it's Siri mm. at Sirius It's One. You probably don't as much because you're limited to the top whatever. Right. But Pop 2K, I feel like it's a little more mm. open. Well, yes and no. Like if I had certain songs where I'm like, hey, we really should be playing this. I can talk to my program director and say, I think this should be in rotation. This was pretty because Pop 2K is all the early 2000s. So from 2000 all the way through 2009 and maybe like a couple early in 2010. Um, so the song lists are kind of already made in that sense, but we could be playing a bigger variety, like not just maybe the top 15 of every year, but more. And that's what our program director is trying to do now is kind of get like more of the jams where you hear it and go, oh, shit, I haven't heard that in a minute. Oh my God. Like, this is my song. This is my song. Yeah. So <laughs> I have, a, I mean, a little bit of a say in the sense of I'm, I can share my opinion with her, but the songs are pretty much set. Like I can't go back in, in time and, change it as to what songs are there and on hits one i had a a say in terms of i could send them music and say i think this would work i think this would be really good i remember when kesha's tiktok came out and i was like yo we should be playing this and my boss was like we're thinking about it and i was like no this should be on the air now and he's like it's gonna be on the air in like two days i go oh okay cool but they have a system of like how they guess what songs are gonna work of what songs they need and how many rock songs, pop songs, so they get a good variety. So you have a say in the terms of you can suggest as many as you want, but as far as me being in there and be like, I'm going to play this now. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I always think it's funny sometimes looking at the log that she's, that she's talking into and stuff. Cause I'm like, I think I had a different experience of what was a hit back then. In, in that decade. So oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's probably, that's probably the same for me too. Like a lot of things I was yeah, like, right. yeah, I, I didn't listen younger, to this. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah, like I didn't listen to this when it right. came out. Yeah. So yeah, you're always going to disagree on how to program a channel. Like everybody's going to have a different idea, but they do a yeah. good job. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think they have a really nice variety, and there are more coming in. But there's some songs that I even still want to hear. I was like, ah, <laughs> get really pumped when it comes <laughs> on. I get to talk into it or out of it. But yeah, I don't say. I was like, yeah, I have a little bit of a say, but not not too much. That's what the program director is for. I can make suggestions, but they're the ones deciding what is going to air on the channel and when. You don't go on and be like, this song sucks, but my boss is making me play it anyway. <laughs> here's here's some dumbass <laughs> Destiny Child song from 2007. <gasps> How dare you? I would no, never say such a thing about that Destiny first, Child. That was the first thing that came to my head. <gasps> I, couldn't I mean, think there's of way too much Nickelback on on the channel. I'll say Nickelback that. was hot though. Wait, I actually like but, Nickelback. Okay, but here's the thing. Right? Like, I know they're the easy target. But. They are an easy target. And I'm not a huge fan of Nickelback, but what am I going to say? No to the millions of people that, that had them at number one back in 2006. But legit, yeah. what were their hits other than Photograph? I can't think How of that. How You Remind Me and Rockstar. Okay. And then Chad, Chad Kroger had one that was Hero when you had no, a little solo thing. They have more than that, too. I just can't think of them. Nickelback slaps. You're wrong on this, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect you to come so hard on Nickelback at all. Me either, me either. <laughs> I also like being... Uh, like the the cool thing to do is to shit on them. So now it's like, all right, well, I got to be anti what's right. cool, so I got to right. love them. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I actually did genuinely like them when I was a kid. <laughs> I, everybody did. Nobody I wants bad, to admit it. I had a bad taste in music, also when I was younger. So like that kind of plays a role in it, I think. Like, but what's okay? Well, what's bad taste in music? Like, what like makes you just it bad? Li- you just listen to like. I would say a bad taste in music, and this might be coming at Sirius Hits XM, but if like that's the only thing you listen to. But what channel on Sirius XM? Because there's so many like hit, channels. Like hits. Like I'm saying like if you only, oh, if if you only, only listen to like, 40? I only listen to top 40 and you don't listen to anything else, like I kind of judge you. Yeah. It, oh my God. You came really intense with that. Now, if now as an adult, all you listen to is top 40, I do think that that's a very limited view. But I also think that if you really listen to top 40, you hear influences from all different kinds of music. And if you just switch that dial, all of a sudden something will pick up because you'll be like, oh, Oh, that sounds similar to that. Like, so there's a lot of sampling in top 40 that come, especially now with certain singer songwriters that are coming out. I think that there are real gems in there that if you really love music, it's going to make you want to check out something that sounds similar and therefore broaden your horizons. But if that's, if you're only listening to top 40, nothing else, you're not really listening to music for the music. You're just right. You're just for familiarity. You're here to hear songs that you know that you can sing along to. And that's, that's different. Yeah. Like it's Okay to enjoy that but if it's limited to just that then i think it's like you're not really putting any thought into a music you listen to i think so so i feel like it's like a balance even though i mean i have no shame i love top 40 i mean but like but but then that's what i was saying like to me when i was younger like i feel like i would listen to a lot of like the top whatever would play more for me when i was a kid than it would now yeah, well, also, how were you listening to music as a kid? You wanted something that you could dance to or sing yeah. to. Like, you weren't you weren't necessarily listening to lyrics to be moved by. You know what I mean? You were just listening to something that hit you. You're like, I love this song and I want to dance. I mean, I don't yeah. know. That's I feel like with kids, it's a much more visceral reaction to what they like and why they like it. It's why Baby Shark is so unpopular with kids. Th- those people probably made so much. Think about how much so money much the Baby money. Shark people have for one song. One Baby Shark song. And I'm not going to start it because it. I'm not going to get it out of my head if I start it. Yeah, so. I'm, it's already in my head. You are, just the fact that you <laughs> just, said it, just saying it's already it. in my head. Right. If there weren't copyright issues, I, could, I would just put it into the podcast right now and just <laughs> get just it in everyone else's it. head just to screw with everybody. Okay, I'm not, yep, now it's in my head too. Uh, so for people you've interviewed, you said, mm-hmm. who's the coolest person you've interviewed? Who are the three coolest people you've interviewed? Oh, don't do that to me. Three. Don't do that to me. You can't say four. Um, I don't even want to hear a fourth. <laughs> I'm horrible at making decisions. <laughs> horrible. Ask, I can't. I can't Man, make decisions. Just say how you feel. 
But that's the thing is, I there's there really are so many so many cool people and and not cool because I'm like, oh, that person was the most famous or whatever else. No, it's coolest the conversation. to you. I, I want the coolest to you. Either it was someone you really wanted to speak <sighs> to, or the conversation was really good. Okay. So not like what you think other people would think is cool. Okay. Um. Okay. One of the I'll say one of the coolest because it was early. It was early on, and it was a big deal for me. And he was incredibly kind. It was also a really interesting conversation. Tom Hiddleston was dope. He came in for I Saw the Light, which was about Hank Williams, and he was just a gem of a human being and getting to hear him talk about what it was like getting into that role and like the whole process behind it was, I geeked out. That was really fun. Um, Zoe Deutsch and also her sister and her mom, she's come in a couple times for solo interviews and she came in once. I'm grouping them together as one. Okay. That counts. They are a fam. That counts. Um, she's also lovely. And again, another gem of a human being and both of them incredibly talented actors in their own right. And her sister is a phenomenal actor. Also, she wrote the movie that they all starred in together, which is bananas. Um, oh my God. Oh my God. Who, who else? Uh, Zazie Beetz, who I love from Atlanta. I think she's such a cool human being with a really interesting look on, on life. And she's just very down to earth and very just, you walk in and you, there's no sense of pretense at all with her. That was another interesting conversation. She was in Deadpool 2 in Atlanta, and I love the Deadpool movies, and Aaron and I love Atlanta. Full disclosure, um, I've never seen Deadpool. It's really fun. Either of them. It's really, really fun. Atlanta, like the show Atlanta, though? Atlanta, the show. I, I like Atlanta. It's That's really, a good show. really, good. Great show. Um, I, those are the three that come to my head right away, but I feel, oh my God, there's so many other amazing ones that, that people have just... You think that they come in and they've been in these movies and they've done these things and you kind of expect them to have a certain air about them and be a certain way. And more often than not, they're just awesomely normal human beings and are incredibly easy to talk to. And I think are also appreciative when they get to have conversations because in radio, we get to, I get to have a 15, 20 minute conversation with them. And on TV, it's usually a quick hit, which is obviously they have fun with that too, but it's just different. So it's... It's like those are probably the top three that come to mind right now. But there's, I'm, I'm, you said three, so I'm gonna stop at three. <laughs> <laughs> rules is rules. Yeah. Oh, because I, oh, yeah, I can't. I and I don't want to say that those are all my just Did my you love, favorites. Uh, Zoe but... something, and then Rachel Brosnahan. Oh know? my god. Yeah. Do you have to change an answer now? Oh no. No, that's another one. And Rachel, oh my god, yes, and Rachel Brosnahan. Oh, my, okay. Oh, four. I gotta go four. Uh, I didn't say, so I didn't, oh, I didn't say her, because also it's like, in my mind, what are the three that came to mind? I was just looking at Deadpool 2 when you guys were talking about, we're talking about Nickelback earlier, and I thought of Deadpool and that Nickelback video that he made. Anyway, Rachel Brosnahan is another incredible actress, phenomenal human being, um, and she's somebody who I look up to as far as who I would like to be as a, as a persona, as an actor, and the way that she conducts herself in interviews and in public. Um, because I feel like we're probably the closest in age to like, I don't really know how old Zoe or, well, I do know how old Zoe is and she's younger than me. Um, same with Zazie, but I feel like, uh, Rachel is somebody who I could see like, okay, that's the kind of trajectory that I would like. Then again, Zoe also has had, no, I don't know if you know Zoe Deutsch, she's in a million freaking movies. She's in The Politician right now. Zazie Beats is incredible. Tom Hiddleston, obviously amazing. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to stop. Now I'm rambling. Those are my four. Oh God, so hard, so hard. So when you interview people, does that 
Is that separate from the show that you do? Is that like a totally different thing? It yes and work. no. Okay. Some of them I will, if somebody is relevant to Pop 2K in the sense that they were big in the 2000s, they had a movie like Haley Steinfeld, who was in Pitch Perfect 2 and 3, doing an interview with her, I can air clips of it on my show on Pop 2K or at least promote the interview on Pop 2K because it's relevant to that audience. But if it's somebody that is not well known to the audience, I might say that I talk to them and they can they can hear my interview, but I won't necessarily play clips because it doesn't fit. Like as much as I love, I'm trying to think of who I like Loretta Devine. I talked to from the Gerard Carmichael show back in the day, which was an amazing show that got canceled. She is not necessarily familiar to the pop 2k audience, but she's awesome. And the show was great. So I'll talk about the fact that I interviewed her and you can hear it on my Twitter or SoundCloud, but I won't play clips because the audience is going to be like, who's, who's Loretta Devine? Like, how do we know her? And so that's something that I try to do. I try to make sure that it's somebody that's relevant to the audience if I play clips on my show. That's cool that you're able to do an interview even if it doesn't fit what the show is. Like, you have that mm. flexibility because it would be kind of annoying. Like, oh, you could talk to this person, but that eh, doesn't fit. So, like, sorry, Alex. And then they just right. let, you, let you do that. And so. again, really lucky to be able to do that because there's other ways to find it where on Hits 1, when they do their TV segment, be like, oh, I talked to Loretta Devine for the Gerard Carmichael show. You can use a clip of it on there. And then I'll still post it and put it on demand and post it online. But even though it doesn't necessarily get played on my show, it can get played somewhere else. And all, all the interviews I always put up online and I put as many of them as I can on demand on SiriusXM too. So there's still a place to hear them. But I am lucky that if it doesn't fit for Pop 2K, they're not like, no. Right. Because they're like, well, I'll still get out there. She'll still promote it and put it out there. So please let me keep doing that. <laughs> now, obviously don't say any names, mm. but do you ever have ones where the people you interview them and they just obviously don't want to be there. And it's like a real struggle. Mm, um, I have to say I've been lucky in the sense that I haven't gotten somebody that's been very, Ugh, I don't want to do this. I've had people who I've been told beforehand, they're like, so-and-so before you asked a question that they weren't supposed to, and they're in a bad mood or they're really tired and they, they seem a little bit off. So they're not going to be as energetic. I get that we're all human beings and we're not perfect. And I can imagine that these press tours are incredibly stressful. And also you can ask the same questions a lot. So they probably get kind of annoying and boring at times. But luckily, once they get into the room with me, I don't try to press them about stuff that they don't want to talk about. And I try to keep things interesting. And so I've been very lucky to where people have never been mean or closed off to me. They might be maybe a little bit more low energy than I was expecting, but they're never rude or just like that in the interview, which is great. Very lucky. I guess you're kind of trained that it's going to be a bad look. So half of them could probably fake it if they need to. Well, that's media training. Yeah. If you're going to do an interview, I mean, there are people that have come in that do interviews, not for me, but I've run the board for some where they give yes or no answers. And I was like, do you understand when an interview is like, has nobody told you about media training? Like you have to talk a little bit. It's <laughs> part of the promo. That's what I was just saying to you. That's why I was saying it's great when people ramble and no, stuff like I'm that. I'm so rambling right now. I'm great. so, so sorry. I'm that's, rambling a lot. That's why I say um, it's way better. You, you're even saying as an interviewer, it's way better. Well, to a point, to a point. But yeah, I've been lucky. I haven't had anybody be a jerk to me or be closed off. And I, I try not to ask personal questions that are intrusive. Because one, a lot of other people are asking them. And two, I feel really weird about delving in to people's personal lives because I don't feel like I have necessarily a right to. I feel like if I was on that side of the coin, would I want people constantly asking me about 
my marriage and like, hey, how many times a week do you and Aaron have sex and get down? Or like, you guys want kids? Or can you believe that he was seen with this girl? And you're like, are they not allowed to be friends? I don't know. It just feels like a weird thing that we all feel like we have a right to know when if it was anybody else, we would never ask those questions or never feel like we have that right to ask or, and, or, or know about it. So I don't know. It's a weird line that I've drawn that I try not to get too intrusive on personal lives because there's the human and there's the artist and they're allowed to have their privacy as a human. If that makes sense. Now, devil's advocate, some people, <laughs> no, I'm not saying I agree <laughs> with this, but I'm saying no, so, yeah. some people would make the argument that it's part of what you sign up for. Like right. you say you sign up for a job where you're in the public eye and that comes with the territory. So that that's what somebody would argue against you and why they should answer those for questions. For sure. There is some part of you that you have licensed out to the public. 100%. You have licensed out your art, your creativity in a way. You have licensed out your 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 image as an actor, but or as a, as a musician, as a painter, as anybody. If you're putting yourself in the public eye, there is a part of you, especially now with social media, people could say, well, psh, you post all this stuff on Twitter and Instagram. You're putting your personal life out there anyway. But I think as human beings, we all have our limits and not one of us posts 100% about what's going on and not 100% do we divulge everything that's happening in our lives? And I think everybody has a right to some sort of privacy, no matter where you are, because you could argue everybody's in the public eye now. Do you have a Twitter? I have a Twitter. You have a Twitter. And everyone, a Twitter. Has, a, everyone has a camera, so they could just everybody, take a video of you at all times. You're so that's constantly, another part. So yeah. at what point does that line not get drawn where we don't have a right to our own selves anymore? And now I'm getting super fucking hippie and like existential, I guess. I, but I agree, though. I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of err on the side of, as a human being, how would I want to be treated? So I'm going to try and do that to somebody else. I also kind of, it's almost in the same idea. Like when I see famous people a lot of the times, I don't like, I usually don't ask for pictures or bother them or anything. Like if it's someone I really give a shit about, I'll just say, oh, hey, what's up? Like so-and-so and just right. as, and just keep walking. Like I won't even stop just because I feel like. You feel I just, weird, I just right? Off. I've only, I've only, only person I would freak out for is Tyler the Creator. He's the only person I freak out for, and the <laughs> only other person I've ever like stopped was Action Bronson. I saw Action oh Bronson God. in Miami. <laughs> We're talking about Miami. I saw Action Bronson in Miami. I sat of a hotel. I saw his okay. friend actually walk out. I paused. I'm like, I'm gonna wait for him to come out. He came out, and I asked him. I was like. Hey man, is it cool if I say what's up before? And he's like, yeah. What's you up? asked if you could say hi. That's adorable. <laughs> <Yes>. because <laughs> I did, well, also because he's someone who like, if I pissed him off, he'd punch me in the face. So that was I mean, like, true. that yeah, was the okay. other part of it was like, I like knowing how he was. Yeah. So then we were like talking and we just like talked for like five minutes. My other friend was there. And he just asked me what we were doing. And then he's like, he's like, all right, boys, go get some pussy tonight. Like, that's what's up. <laughs> and, and then I didn't even ask for a picture. I just like walked. We just like left and that was it. So. It's amazing. Yeah. So like oh. the only person I would freak out and like stop them in their tracks is Tyler, the creator. Like I couldn't control myself in that situation. Yeah. But anyone else, I usually just say, what's up? And keep them moving just because it's like, they're just people. And it's like, you don't right. need to get in their face. Like they don't need a. There's a, there's a balance to that too, right? Because if you run into your favorite person on the street you know, you are in public. Can you be like, Oh my gosh, hi, I love what you do. I mean, I that's gotta love feel, you. right. Like that's gotta feel good too. And I think that it's just a balance. Like yeah, just be normal, be normal. If you <laughs> see them normal. out walking in the street, I can't imagine that somebody wouldn't appreciate you saying, I adore everything you do. Yeah. Right. 
But if they're in a restaurant with their family and kids, and you maybe, put the, pull the camera out, you're trying to take a selfie with them. Yeah, yeah. or you video, or you videotape them with their kids. I don't know. I, well, I wait, just like, feel creepy? like there's certain. Like, I think right. that, that's the weirdest thing. If you see somebody and you like try to hide your phone and uh, videotape yeah. them or pick, like you're that's weird. You're a, you're a creep. If you do that. Don't don't be sneak about it. If you're yeah. gonna do it, make it obvious so that they can tell you, hey, no, I'm with my family or kids. Like, yeah. Just be normal. I don't know. Be normal. Be normal. There's, there's. That's it. Yeah. Be normal. Be normal. <laughs> yeah. Just be, be normal. normal if you see them outside. Be normal if you interview them on a radio show. Just be normal. Try to be normal. I Try also ramble like this. I ramble like this a lot when I interview people too because I get super excited and nervous. So <laughs> <laughs> trying to be normal, work in progress. What's the, all right? What's the best advice somebody has given you through your time at Sirius as you've gone from producer to on-air host? It could be for speaking mm-hmm. on air. It could be for when you were producing, could be general life things, anything. What was the best advice somebody ever gave you? Huh. Um, I guess for, okay. So we're behind the scenes. It would have to be, don't be afraid to ask and also to trust yourself because it, don't be afraid to ask. Meaning I would rather, especially now that I've been there for a while, if somebody new starts, I'd rather them ask me questions rather than make assumptions. Because if you make an assumption and mistake on air, that's millions of people that hear that. And they don't know why that mistake happened. They don't realize that you mix something that could easily get mixed up, up. That doesn't matter to them. It, but it's a, it's a reflection on what we're doing. So I'd rather, I'd, I'm never afraid to ask questions and make sure that I understand everything. Um, but also just, I guess, um, trust yourself and that goes for on air too. There are a lot of times and Aaron will see me do this where if I'm recording a break, I'm there are times where I record a break five times and I'm like, that was awful. No, that was no, I could say that better. No. Oh God, Alex did you just didn't even say the person's name in that. How did you forget that? And, and then I get into my head and I mess up even more and I just have to go, all right, I'm gonna just back away, come back to this. I got this. I know what I'm doing. Like I'm not the best at it all the time, but I know what I need to do. Um, so I think those two pieces, because th- th- things are so ever-changing, and we always say, oh, this is <laughs> this is probably it. Here we go. This is the rambling one. Um, just It's a fluid environment, so be able to go with the flow. That's on either end of it. You might come in with a plan for the day. I can guarantee you that plan is going to get blown up. I think that's the best life advice in general. That's what I always say is like, Plan all you want, but it's never, never, ever is yeah. anything going to go according to plan. Nope. So the hmm. better skill is being able to adjust to things as they come. And you learn more just by doing it and figuring oh. it out when things go wrong. Because like if you just, if you're yeah. just planning, you end up not doing anything. You end up like freaking out when it doesn't go according to mm-hmm. your plan anyway. It's just like, it's a big waste of your time, I think. I think just Huge. like brief, get like broad and that's it. Yeah. Keep then. Get moving. No, that's 100%. And most of the things that I learned were on the fly because something was happening and I had to address it in that moment and go, well, I guess this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to get through this. Yeah. That's actually scratched. I mean, the other two are okay, I guess, but yeah, it's a fluid life in general is a fluid environment. Go with the flow and just figure it out as best as you can as you do it. Yeah. Be able to think on your feet, like in work, like any work setting, like anything. That is massive. Yeah. In anywhere, being able to think on your feet and think forward, like what would the next steps be instead of just saying, oh my gosh, I've hit a problem. Like, yeah, don't you, like, be afraid. Freak out and just have to stop everything. Freak out and, and yeah. yes, ask people, but stop for a second and think to yourself, what would the next course of action be? So you can say, hey, by the way, this and this happened. 
I was thinking A, B, C, and D. And that person go, oh my gosh, look at you. Yes, those are the correct steps. Go ahead. And then you look good because you look like, oh, I came with a solution rather than just going, I don't know, fix it for me. Right. But yeah, be, yeah, go with the flow. Fluid. All right. That was good. We, we, Aaron's we looking at me like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you want to go with. And then, so let's get into acting. So you've mm. also been trying to act. You've also been getting into acting as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you, were, you, were, you were saying off mic before that you feel like you got a little bit of a late start though. I did get a late start. So I I really got into acting a couple of years ago. It's when I started taking classes. I think I'll say maybe four years ago. That sound about right? Yeah. What sparked your desire to start doing that? Same kind of thing that sparked my desire to get on air. I wanted uh, I wanted a different challenge and I wanted the, the creative part of me was like... I need to sink my teeth into something else and I want to have a better, I want to have a more genuine connection with people. I, there was something about the world in general that I felt like everything wasn't genuine anymore. You have a lot of these bits on late night that are super funny, but everything feels very planned for viral or planned for online or planned for a clickbait or planned for a quick hit. And you're like, what? I, I don't know. I just felt like a wanted more of a genuine connection with people and that was on air being able to have fun and play music and and hopefully make people smile if their day wasn't going well or make people go the fuck is wrong with her and laugh you know elicit emotions out of people and I've always always loved movies and tv like I watch an incessant amount of tv and movies all the time <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed and I would get so invested in characters and I also I mean my acting teacher says I'm emotionally available which is a really nice way of saying I cry at almost anything and all the time that's good for acting though it is but I have to I have to be I have to feel it so like I do have to be in the moment I can't cry on cue I can't just be like oh my gosh I'm gonna cry now but I can feel things unnecessarily dramatically i guess you know how many times she's killed me to tap into that emotion so it's a lot. okay <laughs> i wrote one monologue all right i wrote one monologue that you sorry one monologue that you died okay just leave me alone one i'm actually that's one of my really really good skills is i could cry on command I heard you say that, really? and I want proof of it when I this is it. when this is when, done. When we're done, I heard maybe you say I'll that. I, I'm like really Ooh, good at it. I it's am weird. jealous of that. Yeah. I'm jealous of that only because sometimes if you're on a set and the environment is not there and you're in your head, to be able to crown cue to at least get it flowing would be super helpful. It, but it takes like a sec. Like you'd be like, all right, give me like a minute, and I gotta like try, and right. I'll, I'll be crying. I'll, I'll be crying. Wow. I can do it. I'm super, I'm super jealous of that. I can't do any other acting. Like after that part, I'd be like, now what? I'm, just crying. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying. crying. What do you need? <laughs> What's like, my motivation? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what does my character do next? Like I wouldn't know, but I could cry. Oh, I'm very, I am very jealous of that. Because as easily as I cry, I do have to be moved by something. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I thought, let me try it out. I'd love to have that impact on people. Like I love to have the kind of impact that certain characters have had on me. And like, that's a super lofty goal because the chances are I'm not going to be in anything that anybody sees, but I felt like, I don't know why not. I, I just, there was nothing to lose. So why not try it? Because I thought if I don't try it, I'm always going to look back and think what if, and like, what a coward I was to not do it if I'm that afraid of failing at it. So the best thing to do is challenge yourself and 
in something you really don't know what you're doing. I feel like that's like <laughs> Which is acting. You, you, you get good life skills from it. Like I was, I was telling people that about this podcast. Like I had no idea how to do anything. But like, you're really good at it. it. But not even that. It's like I feel like I've learned how to use like the equipment and like edit. Like I've learned that as I've gone, and I'm good at it. But I think it's more so like like I always say the best thing I've gotten out of it so far is like I used to be. I still am to a degree, but I'm. I'm naturally very impatient. So whenever, like, especially with technology. So if I couldn't figure something out, the Italian screaming, mother F this, Hulk F smash. that. Yeah, like I'm, screaming, cursing, banging stuff. I still do that all same, the time. So I don't want to say I same. don't. But doing this and like forcing myself to do something where I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I develop the ability to like be more patient and just know like I'm going to figure it out. Because it forces you to be. Right. If you want to do it, you're going to have to figure it out. So I kind of feel like the same thing would apply to acting in this situation. Like if it's not something you're used to, but you're acting and you're forcing yourself to do it and you're kind of like, you know, you might not get the response you want. You might not get the results right. you want, but kind of like failing and forcing yourself to go out of your comfort zone is whether it helps just like in acting, like I'm saying, oh, I've learned for the podcast. Like you can develop skills in acting, but you also develop skills. I think that helps you in life in general. So I think there's no downside that's going to come of forcing yourself to do something you want to do like that. And like what you're doing with the podcasting. I mean, you're learning as you go, but like life, it's fluid and you adjust as you go. You're learning how to use all the equipment as you go. But I think it's also probably opened up your eyes to other people and their experiences and kind of like, oh, that makes you think. I never thought about it that way. I mean, that's because it's you're having a conversation with someone that has inherently lived a different life than you. Not one of us has lived the same life. And so we always have something to learn from each other and always have a way to connect because there are similarities, but also a chance for us to see things in a different light that we might not have. And that's, that's part of the reason why I think acting is so cool. And just being in the film industry in general, people that write these screenplays, directors, cinematographers, directors of photography that line up these shots that you see something and there's not one word uttered, but you are moved by what you see. That's, in, that's an incredible thing to, to do and how it moves people and how it can affect them so differently is also that, the psychology obsessed part of me is like, that's awesome. I love seeing how differently people get affected by it. So, but it's scary. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, I've taken classes and I'm trying, but I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, I don't think anybody, there's no, there's no guidebook for this. I mean, there are books that you can read, obviously that make you better at what you do. And there's great acting books out there and phenomenal acting classes, but like, there's no, it's not like, take this step and then take that step and then take the, no. Now you're famous. Now you're on Hollywood. Yeah. That's what I'm <laughs> like, congratulations. You've got this film. There's no path. There's like, cause everybody you talk to will tell you something different too. Right. So it's scary. What's been like the biggest challenge for you with acting? Like, what do you, what do you find the most difficult for you? Right now is just, it's just getting out there and getting, getting auditions and then getting booked on those auditions. There are, so for this past summer, I've gotten a lot into the behind the scenes aspect of it, which has been a really great learning experience and I love it, but I took time away from applying for auditions and now I'm getting back into it. And you just like, I send out for so many and I maybe one out of 50, 60, I'll get something back for it. Make That's actually, mm, that's probably even being generous. It's so hard to get seen. And then once you're in that room, I know one of my biggest hurdles is audition rooms fuck with my head. I get so in my head about it. When I'm in class and I'm working with people, when I'm on set and when I'm working with people, it's a different kind of nervousness. It's like that nervousness you get like on stage before performing or like something good is about to happen because you feel like you don't want to mess it up, but you also are doing something that you 
you love. Like you're there. Yeah. You're like anxious to get started. That's right. like how I felt when I used to play football, like in high school. Like I would feel that right. before games. Before games, you're like, oh, yeah. like you hope this goes well. You don't know what's gonna happen, but like this is awesome, yeah. right? Audition rooms or to even get in them, I would love like need to get in more of them. But then when I'm there, to not get in my head about what are they thinking? How do they think I'm doing? Did I interpret this right? Is my delivery right? Are all the, are all the steps and all the preparation that I've taken is it showing? I mean. God, that is the biggest, that's the biggest hurdle is getting out of my own head on stuff. Is what do you do to try and get out of your own head? What steps do you try to take? Um, I try to just, oh God, this is going to go. Sometimes talking about acting makes me feel like I sound so just bougie, like just all this, but all right, here it goes. Um, I try to step into the character's shoes. So I'll sit there and okay, what's the situation the character is in? She just found out that her husband cheated on her. Okay, well, what if Aaron cheated on me? um, That would suck. Uh, How would I feel about that? Well, now I've got to go in and I've got a job interview and that's the situation that she's in. So, okay, well, no, uh, stop thinking about Aaron. Um, I need to think about this job. So I need to, so I try to put myself in their mind frame to what they would be like and that puts me in a good head. Hopefully it puts me in a good headspace because now when I go in there, I'm thinking like they're thinking. I, and my act, I had an incredible acting teacher and I'm so mad that I can't take classes with him anymore because he has a two year limit. So I got kicked out. Um, <laughs> Why is there a limit? Because he feels there's, once you've taken two years from me. That's all he's, you're going to, you're not going to get any more out of me. So you're at this on. point, yeah. you've learned what you can from me. And if you need to stay longer, I'll let you stay longer. But once you've learned and I've seen you get to a point where I go, you don't need me any longer. It's time for you to go out and audition, take other classes. He's, he's basically like, I want to bring you to the best that you can be to where I can do that. And you can learn more from other people, take more classes, but I'm not going to keep you in this class for 10 years when it's not necessary. Right. So, and people audition to be in his class. So you, there's a certain limit of people that he can take. And so he wants to find the balance of, I've gotten you to as good of a point as I can get you. And you're ready to go out there, but I'm not going to keep you here just because you feel safe here. That's not good either. Right. Um, but he always says, yeah, think the character's thoughts and try to channel your energy into that. Because then now my nervous energy about being in front of a casting director is hopefully me being nervous that I have this, thing in the back of my head that my husband has cheated on me, but I need to ace this job interview because we have a five-year-old kid and we can't make rent. And so what the fuck am I going to do? I need to ace this. So that kind of helps with the energy because then it gets my mind off of what's actually happening. But then the moment you walk in the room, you're like, what's going on? You're like, cool. I'm great. Everything's fine. Oh, wait, one second. Let me get back in that headspace. <laughs> I was just in 30 seconds ago. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, it's weird. It's weird. What's your favorite project you've been a part of with the with film? Mm, um, man, I had. And don't do what you did before, and I said only pick three, and you said four. I, I want one. I can't. Oh my god, I can't uh, make decisions. Okay, I'm as, just kidding. You could say what you <laughs> as a okay as an as an actor. I think my favorite thing that I've done so far. There hasn't been a lot, um, but was a play that I just did at the Brooklyn Heights, uh, Brooklyn Heights players, or they're called the Heights players, but it's in Brooklyn Heights. And I had so much fun with that. And it was also really scary to be out on stage in front of a live audience. But 
that was a really, really fun part to play because at the outset, I think the character comes off as kind of bitchy and um, self-centered and petty and maybe a little bit off a rocker. So finding a way to make her likable to the audience as well, instead of everybody being like, ugh, I hate her. That was really fun. And I had this really awful, but really fun to perform monologue about throwing cats out the window, which if you know me, I Yeah, I was going to ask about, I was going to ask about that and I saw so, you had the cat shirt on. So, let's just talk about that now then. Why do you love cats so much? I Why wouldn't I, I love cats on asking so much? this question so like I need to know. Why what like what is there not to love about them? The they are lovable. They're clean, they're furry and soft. They show you love and attention. Um they're they just make life better. Well, I, I just I don't the, know the problem the problem with you guys is I think <laughs> I think you both have like a skewed version of cats because you got dog cats. You got cats that act like dogs that are chill. That's true. And so you have this vision Mm -hmm. of like all cats are like that. So I think if you had like a normal like cat cat, I think you would think differently. How many cats have you had? I've never had a cat. Mm, Because they're cats and I like dogs. Right. But your cats I would like because they act like dogs. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on a little bit. Most cats don't cuddle. Your cats are cuddly. And I think that's a problem. That is false. There are just like dog breeds and cat breeds, J- like Jack Russell Terriers are known to be annoying and barky and just they're 80 miles an hour, right? Certain cats you'll get that are a little bit aloof, that don't want to be pet and they'll just hang out with you. But most cats that I have been around want love and attention. They want to be cuddled. They want to be petted. They want to hang out by you. They like people. And if they don't like people that they don't know, they'll just go and hide. They won't bother you. But most cats that I've been around, super awesome. Oh, yeah. You're the cat whisperer? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's your calling to have a show. Like, wasn't there? What was, oh, that, guy, what was that guy's name? Uh, the cat guy? daddy? No, there was like the dog guy who's like the dog whisperer. It was like a show. Oh, Cesar Milan. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she's a yeah. Yes, yes. 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 Like he just like yeah. Yeah, yeah. She needs to host the the kitten bowl like yesterday. Oh, that's how you bring Best it all together. Stern, call me up. I am there. First of all, I also am dying to be in a Hallmark Christmas movie or a Lifetime Christmas movie, a Christmas movie. Like put me in. That is my jam. I'm already watching them. Oh, yeah. There's actually a Christmas. One of my favorite movies ever is The Nine Lives of Christmas because it combines cats and Christmas. It was like, is there anything better than those two? No. <laughs> Cats and Christmas. He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I can think of a thousand a, things yeah, better than cats terrible. and Christmas. <laughs> Don't make her laugh too much. She's going to go. Laughing's what makes her laugh. That's funny. No. Yeah. Uh, Love cats. Actually, our retirement or my retirement plan for the two of us is to have a sanctuary on the beach where oh god don't say it yeah where we have a house we live at the beach but we also are a sanctuary to like to older cats or disabled cats or cats okay. that people don't want I in the shelters that i like that i like the old like Thank older you. dogs don't get adopted yes. and i always think that's me yeah, yeah. plus the sand is a natural litter box right so, so we're like yeah. we could just enclose a certain yeah. area for their litter box and, and then <laughs> clean it out the beach yeah the only disagreement we have is i'm like he goes what 20 cats and i was like i'm talking like 50 cats he goes absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no no way not a chance not yeah. a chance never yeah. But yeah, that's a retirement plan. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <Some point. laughs> Wait, so how do we get the cats? Oh, you're the the Brooklyn Heights, whatever. Oh, the Brooklyn, yeah, right. Where Just, I, what, what, what was that? The what was the show? It was, the play was called "Will You Please Shut Up." It's by Dan O'Brien, and it's about a relationship, but it's looked at in reverse. So you meet these two characters, and it's years after they've broken up 
and they kind of re-see each other and do the thing that a lot of exes might do, which is sort of humble brag, backhanded comments of how life is going and things are great. You gotta win the breakup. Yeah. And then (laughs) after that, the next act is their breakup, which is when this happens. And she talks about throwing the cats out the window and he talks about feeling like he's losing his mind. And then the third act is the honeymoon stage, which is when they're basically in France and they're just vacationing and super in love and just spend all day in bed and like talk about how much they love each other and miss each other. So it goes Puke. in reverse. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. But yeah, it was a, it was a really, really, it was a really fun play to be a part of. And it was really exciting to do that out on stage. And also the idea of throwing cats out the window was like, this is a challenge that I have to overcome. No. It was fun. It was really fun. I mean, I have to tell you, just like uh, talk about being emotionally available. Like I, I was like crying watching her because I have to tell you how impressive it was to to watch her do this because this was I don't think you're painting the picture exactly. You just love me, that's exactly why you're right. biased. Yeah, I know, but like this was a, a 45 minute play where there's two actors the whole time, and she's like the you were the one of the leads, so it's like to basically to memorize 45 minutes of dialogue and she had the crowd like the crowd was was loving her like some of her monologues and all that stuff like she nailed it and it was like it was a very very proud moment for me to watch her do that because i know how much she's struggled and how much this thing just is a struggle in general so to see her do that and nail it was i I was super proud of her and i was like yeah you need to just keep doing this because you're really good at it so yeah you you under oh, <laughs> you undersold that he he sold that way you should just had i should ask him that question <laughs> yeah she'll never brag about herself or say she's good at anything but she's yeah, really she's really good at it only Thank having you. two people on a whole show that's crazy that's hard like it's two I mean, le- two leads i guess but yeah you don't really you don't get a, a break right. right like you don't get to go off stage and go okay let me collect myself but that's also kind of thrilling because that's it you're just you're just running that whole time and it is what it, and you never know what can happen, which is the exciting part of theater. So, yeah, I that was that was probably my favorite, which I know is not film, but no, that counts. That was That's really acting. Fun. That's that acting. Was really, really fun. And my friend directed it, which was cool to see him grow in that role too. It was his first thing he directed, so I was really proud of him, Jacob. Jacob Boggs, shout out to you. <laughs> Big shouts. Big shouts, Jacob Boggs. Um, uh, yeah. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Let's let's wrap it up. Three. Okay. I have like three. I'm just trying to do like three quick questions with people. So first, okay. what are your top three favorite songs from the 2000s? You've already seen how she struggles with lists. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I, 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 I'm literally I'm giving you three lists right now. Oh God. Oh my God. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. I mean, I was a huge Insync fan, so I'm a I'm a have to say. In sync. Ooh, this I promise you. Or it's gonna be my um That's a banger. That is a banger. I think I gotta go with that. I mean this I promise you is super sweet, but I'll go with In Sync it's gonna be me. Also, um Oh man, from the two thousands. There's so many songs. This is this is exceptionally hard for me right now. I don't know. Oh, H to the Izzo. I mean, Jay-Z. Or P-I-M-P. I don't know what they heard about me. Oh, that one's on too. Oh, 
Candy Shop was a, was a banger as well. <laughs> that was good. My my mother used to get mad at me that I liked that song because I was like young when that song came out, but I I liked it. Oh, did you, you were probably, did she hear you singing yeah. Magic Stick? You were probably that was like even worse. twelve when that, that came was even out. Worse. Yeah. Um, it slapped though. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, Destiny's Child, Bugaboo. Yep. Yep. Solid. Yeah. That whole album is solid. Destiny's Child, Bugaboo, In Sync. It's gonna be me. And Eminem Stan. That's a good one. I'll say, okay. I mean, there are, That's a good one. Don't, let's move on before I think of more right. and change my mind because right. right now those are the three. But yeah. Top three favorite TV shows. Of the 2000s? No, in general. Of, in general? Boy, what are you trying to do to me? Um, You're talking about how much you love TV, so I feel I like know. you should know this. Oh, 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 I know. Are we talking genres? Do we want to do genre based? No. Do, oh, totally God, in general. Your three fa- if you, if someone's going to ask, tell you or ask for recommendations, like I need to watch, okay. I want to watch a TV show I want to get into, what three would you recommend that you've watched? Okay. Breaking Bad. Yes. Which I know right you love. Uh, Breaking Bad. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Watching Aaron just silently judge me on these choices. It's <laughs> <laughs> your list. It's I know, and of all time, uh, I'm Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's a good one. I like that one. I think that good one. Is, I think that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. Because that I'm show al- that show always plays. Like you could rerun always. that, and you could always sit and watch it. Always it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good choice. Oh, that was really hard. <laughs> All right, and then I still do music recommendations for what are you listening to now that someone should listen to. Oh. Can, can be, it doesn't have to be like your favorite or can be, but okay. any any time period. Well, don't kill. Oh, okay, I am listening to a lot of Christmas music already because whatever, it's after Halloween. I don't care. At me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Christmas, obviously. Uh, all right. Uh, John Bellion is somebody that I'm always listening to and I love him. He's one of my favorite artists. Uh, also because of seeing him on tour, we were introduced to this band called Lawrence band who are really good and I'm enjoying them a lot as well right now. And I mean, everybody knows this album, but I've also been obsessing with it since it came out. Uh, Chance the Rapper is the big day. I adore him. And Alessia, oh, Alessia Cara. Alessia Cara. I could listen to That's any day of the too. week. And Jojo's got new music out too. BT. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Favorite song of the 2000s. Jojo, baby. It's you. That's got to be in there. Above NSYNC. JoJo was good. She... Mm, and she's yeah. gotten the music out, too. Yeah. What, right. was, her, what was her big song? The really Baby, big... It's You. Oh, no. Uh, Leave. Get out right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, that one. That one. That's was, what when about. she was, what, 12, 13 yeah, years old? Yeah, she was little, yeah. Singing like that. Stop it right now. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Any, any, any last words for the people? I'm so sorry for rambling <laughs> so, so much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But thank you. Thank you for having thank me you on here. for and coming on. Ramble. Alex DiTrolio. <laughs> Alex D on Sirius XM. Yup. Pop 2K. What yep. time? 6 a.m. to noon Eastern. Go listen. Yup. And thank go you. subscribe to Sirius if you don't. And subscribe to Wolf Mentality Podcast and if you aren't do, already. Yeah. You're listening, so you should be. Yeah.